Good morning, everyone, and welcome to episode 248 of the Ask the Coach show, where Ping Skills helps you improve your table tennis. In the show today, we'll discuss the Oceania Olympic Qualification Tournament, which was held over the weekend, plus the Qatar Open results. It's Technique Tuesday, and the segment today is called Giddy Up Footwork Return. In the questions, we talk about spin, playing against pimples, and lifting a push that is loaded with backspin. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, Supercoach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Thank you, Jeffrey. And uh, yes, it was an interesting weekend for us, certainly. And um, and I hope all of you had a happy and safe Easter as well. Yes, indeed. Yep, happy Easter to everyone. And yeah, Alois, what a big weekend. I reckon we get straight into talking about the Oceania Qualification Tournament, which we commentated, commentated at on the final day. It was pretty exciting. Yeah, it was. It was good. Uh, yeah, really good to be involved in the um, in the final day. So it was the, all six spots up for uh, up for grabs for the Oceania region um, with the Olympic qualification. So now there are six players that have qualified to go to Rio. Um, so it's to be approved by their national Olympic associations, etc. But uh, yeah, we saw some great table tennis, and um, so probably the standouts for me were. Um, in the women's, um, Jan Fang Lei qualifying for her fifth Olympics, which is just incredible. Um, Five Melissa, Olympic Games, wow. Yeah, and so that spans, you know, from 2000. So it's 16 years, you know, 20 years of preparation, um, which is which is just amazing. Um, and Melissa Tapper um, qualifying for the Olympics. Um, she is also a Paralympian, played in... 2012 in London, um, will play in 2016 in Rio and also playing the Olympics. The first Australian athlete um, to do that and now emulates the great Natalia Patika from Poland as well, who uh, who is very famous, uh, been in the top 50 in the world in the women's uh, in able body and has won um, the last three uh, Paralympic gold medals as well. So, yeah. Huge effort by Melissa Tapper, and yes, then well done, Melissa. And then on in a real contrast, the third single spot goes to um, a young girl from Fiji, a fourteen-year-old from Fiji, Sally Yi, who ended up beating her younger sister, thirteen-year-old Grace, um, in the final playoff spot, and that that's real drama to see. You know, two sisters, thirteen and fourteen-year-olds. Um, going head to head for a place at the Olympics, so yeah, great, um, great women's event. Men's um, was also fantastic. So David Powell came through with the goods, um, took the first qualification spot in an absolutely titanic match against Christiane, also from Australia, um, winning eleven nine in the seventh game. Uh, Christiane ended up taking the second spot, um, and. Teng Teng Liu from New Zealand taking the third spot. Again, you know, there's a bit of controversy. Will New Zealand approve Teng Teng's um, uh, place? Uh, New Zealand Olympic Committee tend to be pretty tough uh, with their selections and um, and only approve players that they think that are going to be a medal, medal chance. So if Teng Teng doesn't go, then it opens it up to one of the other sp- uh, Pacific countries and probably to um, Joshua Shin from uh, Vanuatu. So yeah, lots, lots of interest, really exciting table tennis 
and good quality table tennis too. Absolutely, yeah. And it was fun to commentate. We will um, streamed live, Alloys, on um, ITTV. Um, and so I think you can probably still see some of that. And there's YouTube clips out there that the ITT have released of our commentary. So if you haven't seen it yet, take a look. Some great matches and it was a lot of fun. And, you know, it's always always fun to see people qualifying for the Rio Olympics, Alice, because, you know, in table tennis, that is just such an important tournament these days. And just to see the expression on people's faces when they qualify. And you got to interview the, the people that qualified as well. It's just a great experience. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, probably the other really standout thing was just the setting for the um, for the final day. They they held it at a theatre, so they had the table up on stage um, and the audience sitting in a in a beautiful theatre. Um, so the audience was in complete darkness. Every, uh, the players up on stage with the table, um, really good. Um, um, showcase i think for table tennis and instead of you know having to watch two or three matches at the same time which is always the really difficult part in table tennis it was just one table complete focus and good seating as well so often in table tennis you know the the seating especially on the final day of such a of a big event um they have it in a in a huge hall and there's one table out in the middle and the spectators are a million miles away so um, with this, you felt like you were right on top of the table and every single seat in the house was a good seat. So uh, well done, ITTF, on great initiative. And it's something that we need to explore more to really showcase um, our sport. Absolutely. All right. Okay, well, let's move on to the other tournament that was held over the weekend, the Qatar Open. Alois, what happened here? Yeah, so uh, the Qatar Open... Um, once again, Ma Long came through with the goods. Um, last last week in Q8, he, um, he had a bit of a hiccup um, going down, but um, this time, Ma Long coming through with the goods, winning the event, um, and it was again a really good field. So um, in the final, he beat Fan Zendong four-one, close match again. Um, it looked like you know a little bit of um, he wasn't completely settled all the time. Ma Long, um, I think the the stadium had air conditioning and, you know, the ball was floating around a little bit, especially early. He didn't look settled at all. Um, but, you know, having said that, uh, he came came um, through with the goods, beating Fan Zendong 4-1. In the semis, beat Ovcharov. And I suppose the big result for the tournament was that Ovcharov beat Zhangji Kerr in the quarterfinal 4-1. So, um, so Zhangji Kerr, we know, won the tournament last week in Q8. Um, this week, quarterfinal loss to Ovcharov. Um, Ovcharov uh, would be really pleased. Um, Ovcharov's had lots of injuries, um, couldn't um, compete at the World Championships, um, at World Team Championships recently. So he will be very pleased to get that uh, win over Zhang Zhiku coming into the European uh, Olympic qualification event. On the other yeah, side of the drip... Zhang Zikou going down to a non-Chinese player, that is not going to help his um, his chances of staying in the Chinese team, I wouldn't suspect. Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, that's a big blow. And, uh, yeah, we've explained a little bit about the Chinese selection for the um, uh, Olympic qualification, but basically, you know, probably four or five players can actually qualify from China, 
and then it'll be up to the Chinese uh, Olymp- uh, National Olympic Committee to basically accept or reject um, places. So, yeah, I think uh, it will be interesting. Zhu Zin's interesting, isn't he, Jeff? Um, so he made the semi-final against Fan Zendong again. He's so solid against everyone except the Chinese, but against the other Chinese players has a negative record against them. So against Fan Zendong, you know, um, I think a zero four record in the last four uh, zero four or zero five in the last four or five encounters against Fan Zendong. Um, he has a three seven record against um, Ma Long. Um, yeah. So and against Fang Bo, a negative record as well. So um, yeah. So interesting um, for uh, Zhu Zin, you know, as I said, really good against the non-Chinese players, almost never loses, um, but against the, the other Chinese players has a negative record against a lot of them. Mm, well, hardly any of the Chinese lose to anyone besides the Chinese. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Interesting. We yeah, will so on, yeah. Qualifies. yeah. On the women's side of the draw, um, the order was restored again. So Lucy Wen, um, also had a bad loss last week. This week, coming through, winning the title against Ding Ning 4-1 in the final. Um, and uh, Zhu Yu Ling made the semi this time, losing to Lucy Wen 4-0. So 6-3-8-2. So Lucy Wen, uh, I think, had a bit of a point to prove after her loss last week in um, Q8. Indeed. Indeed. Well, interesting tournament. Ma Long back in form. Um, yeah, that for me, that Zheng Zikou going down to Ovcharov is the most interesting result. Um, great for Ovcharov. And like, he is obviously one of the best players in the world, so it's not that bad a result, but, you know, it just puts more pressure on Zheng Zikou. Okay. All right, well, let's move on to yesterday's, well, sorry, the last Pink Skulls question of the day, which was, should participation awards be given out? What did people think? Yeah, well, really mixed bag here, as we suspected. So Thad, who's interesting always, or not always, but very often the first person to comment on our question, uh, Ping Skiller's question of the day. So thanks, Thad, for being so proactive. Um, Thad said, depends at what level. For the young kids, then yes, but seasoned pros, no. Um Eugene Liu said no. Then people will just participate and play badly. Mm, not sure about that, Eugene. I think everyone still wants to play well. Um, Edwin Cotter said young kids should never receive participation awards. Pretty emphatic statement there by Edwin. Um, and John Nesbitt said nope, win to get a prize. But on the other side, Glenn O'Day said participation should be reward enough in itself, but recognition is always a bonus. Um, and Billu said at school and college level, if they are awarded, they get motivated. So, yes. And Trevor, Trevor Hurth said, if you qualify for, to participate in something, then yes. If it's an open entry, then no. So, yeah, mixed bag of uh, opinions. Jeff, come on, give us your opinion. Well, that last one was interesting. If you qualify for something, then you've already achieved something. So maybe then it's okay. But in general, I just think if you hand out participation awards, all the kids know who's um, the better kids anyway. So if you're not one of the good kids and you get the participation award, you're like, well, I just got this because everyone does. 
so it's it's not really a feeling of you know happiness or oh great i got this medal now i'm gonna be inspired i don't think it really works so i think it just adds to the cost of the event but doesn't really achieve anything that's my yeah. thoughts yeah what about i mean what about it things like um yeah in australia auskick which is like for the for the base level um young uh, australian rules football um kids you know i i remember you know the kids getting awards and basically they were participation awards um they used to share it around i suppose um and I remember the kids' faces when they received these awards. They're pretty, they're pretty happy and probably just inspires them to go on and, um, and you know, turn up the next week. And especially for kids that, that don't um, get awards of any other sort, you know, I think it's good for them just to give them some self-confidence and, um, and boost them up. But I think at, you know, at national level um, or, you know, state level or higher level, I think, yeah, I think it's just it's just encouraging mediocrity um, in, in that situation, you know. Like, um, yeah, I think, you know, th- there's, there's a little bit too much of that um, in sport. Um, but I think at the really base level, you know, the kids just starting off, I think, you know, just getting a certificate or something like that just, just gives them a bit of a pep in their step. Yeah, but but the, this example you gave is they give out one one award a week or two awards a week, so not everyone's getting it. So the kid does feel special. If every week they gave out that certificate to all the kids, then I think it's a different scenario. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, yeah, I I agree with you there, Jeff. Um, yeah, so I think yeah, some some reward is good, you know, at that base level. But yeah, pro- if. If you go to a tournament, for example, and, you know, at a state-level tournament and everyone gets an award, yeah, I mean, it's, it is. It's just encouraging mediocrity. You know, kids go home with a trophy. Um, you know, it, I suppose, digressing a little bit, it's, is it the same with, you know, um, B teams and C teams and those sort of things in tournaments or in um in events, you know, there's the representative team, but then now they also select a B team and a C team and a D team. Um, and again, you know, does that um, encourage mediocrity? I think it does to a certain extent. Um, yeah, it, it, there's always that balance, isn't there, between um, participation and elite level sport. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it really depends what you're trying to focus on. If you're focusing on participation, then you want as many people as possible, obviously, so that's good. But if you're focusing on, hey, who's going to be the best at, at these national championships, then I don't think you want all those other teams. Yeah. Interesting discussion, Alois. Interesting. Um, thanks, everybody, who jumped on and shared their thoughts. All right. Um, let's move on to today's Ping Skillers question of the day which is what inspires you. So jump on our Facebook page or onto the Ping Skills blog and let us know what inspires you. We always love hearing your thoughts. All right, Alois, it is Tuesday, which means it's Technique Tuesday. What technique are we discussing today? Yeah, well, this is I've sort of made this one up a little bit, but um, it's called Giddy Up Footwork Return. So... Um, and this, I think we talked about it uh, last week. So inspired um, by Vicky Carruthers. Thank you, Vicky, for your um, 
for your um, verbalization of what I was trying to say. So the giddy up return is basically when before your opponent serves or as your opponent's serving, you get into motion or it's like a giddy up of a horse. And I looked it up a bit. So um, giddy up, um, and I just wanted to make sure it wasn't like a, an Aussie term or something like that. Uh, where are we? Giddy up means um, you're ready to get the game or get to the game. Um, also means, um, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, I'm just looking it up now. Sorry. Um, okay, let's do it. So it's a substitute for okay, let's do it, or let's or, or get moving. So it's usually related to horses, though. Um, you know, and horses giddy giddy up mean you know get going horsey. Um, so it's like you're, you're jumping up and down, and or you and you're getting into motion, and that's a really imp- important part now of being able to be active and move to the next ball. So if you watch um, watch the final of um, the uh, Qatar Open um, between Ma Long and Fan Zendong, you'll see both of them before the other person serves, there's this little motion where they jump and get into, get into, um, get into motion. So take a look at it. Watch what they do. So they're not just standing there static and waiting for the ball. So as the other person serving, it's that little bit of movement and getting into motion. And that's really important now to get going um, in the rally. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because if you're just standing still, you've got all that inertia to overcome. But if you start moving, then it's, it's easier to keep moving and make adjustments. But the other thing, Alois, is it's not like a just a huge jump or anything like that. It's it's a small movement because they still want to stay balanced and keep their head focused on the ball. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. So you're not jumping up and down like that, but it's just a little little bouncing with your feet so that your your feet are ready and, and you're moving around. Um, if you also look at in, in that same match, watch Ma Long in particular um, in between shots. So in between shots, he does a little bounce, bounce, and it's usually two little jumps. So he hits, jump, jump, hit, jump, jump. Um, so there's that little movement or giddy up every single time in the rally as well. Mm, very interesting. All righty. Um, it is the 29th of March, Alois. What happened on this day in history? Yeah, um, absolutely boring day in history, to tell you the truth. Um, but a few, few birthdays of people, you know, we know. And so Stewie Gallagher, so um, a, a, a table tennis player from our, from our past. Um, Crystal Banasik, um, who won some Australian junior titles living in Tasmania. And Bruna Alexandra, um, who is a favourite for a medal um, in Brazil in the Class 10 uh, women's singles. So Bruna, um, a Brazilian, is going to be hard to beat over there in Brazil. Um, she's number three ranked in the world at the moment, um, and uh, and it's her birthday today. So she is 21 today. There you go. Well, happy birthday, Bruna and yeah. Christina and Stewie. Yeah, but, but can I digress a little bit so yesterday though yes jeff was and i need, need to get it right smingus dingus day so smingus, smingus dingus 
Smigus Dingus, Smigus Dingus Day. And Marson alerted me to Smigus Dingus Day this morning. So he sent me um, his latest Power of Practice uh, video. And he also asked me whether I knew about Smigus Dingus Day and I'd never heard of it. So I looked it up. And so what it is, it's um, on Easter Monday, basically. Um, uh, In Poland in particular, but also other European countries, um, it's a festival where um, boys throw water over girls that they like. So there you go. <laughs> so, so that's what Smigus Dingus Day is. Wow. That sounds um, interesting. So boys just get buckets of water and throw it over girls that they like. Well, yeah. I mean, this is, um, this is Wikipedia, but um, they also talk about... Um, 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 where are we? They they like they carry the girls' beds down to lakes and throw them in there and stuff. But you know that's probably a little bit extreme. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. But if you know if you know more about Smigus Dingus, I'm just going off the internet. You know Wikipedia, etc. If you know more about Smigus Dingus Day, then let us know. Yeah, I'd love to hear if you've ever been involved in Smigus Dingus Day. All right, let's get on to the questions, Alois. And Lucas Haraldson has asked a question uh, using the Google Q&A app live on the show. So thank you, Lucas. He says, I went to my club and played a couple of times last week. It was a lot of fun. Of course, I was a little rusty, but I got warmed up pretty quickly. My rubber felt a little fast, but my coach didn't think that was a problem. And he says, have you found out anything on Borger Haag? No, the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> I did look him up. He's like a left hander, I think, isn't he? Yeah, looks good. We'll have to find out more. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I did actually just see a little bit of him, but no, I haven't. Sorry, Lucas. There you go. All right. Well, well done, Lucas. Getting back to the club. Um, yeah, get used to that rubber and uh, keep on having fun at the club. It's a great experience. If no one's been to a club yet, get down to a club in your area. Great way to improve your table tennis. All right, next up is a question from Essie. And Essie's got a scenario for us. Um, He says, both players are using inverted rubbers. Player one does a heavy backspin. Player two puts his bat horizontally under the ball and lifts the ball over the net. Only an upward action, no forward action. What spin does player one receive and how should he attack? Okay, so uh, just demonstrating here so player one does a heavy backspin ball player two just lifts the ball up like that so he's basically just it's almost like a lob uh lob ball so player one is going to get back a really no spin ball and it might even have a little bit of top spin on the ball so it's it's like you at a very exaggerated level so instead of doing a top spin you're basically opening the racket right up and just lifting the ball over the net. So the ball will have no spin or a little bit of top spin. So what player one should do in that situation is you need to come forward on that next ball, but top spin it. So there's not going to be much momentum because basically player two's just lifted the ball up. It's almost like a little lob. 
So you need to come forward and really come over the top of the ball, generate your own spin and your own speed and top spin that ball back at them. There's not, not going to be much pace. So um, that's why you need to really push forward on that ball to, uh, to make it effective. Right, gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, hopefully that helps you out, Ezzy. All right, next question is from Christian. And Christian says, when my friend returns the ball high using his pimpled rubber, I'm having trouble smashing it. He returns the ball deep on the table. And if I just try and smash it, it goes into the net. If I try to use some topspin, I hit it out. So have you got any advice for Christian? Yeah, so this is a really common problem that we get a lot of times with um, on the Ask the Coach page. So this is the ball that, so you, so in particular here, so you've put some topspin on the ball. The other person's put the ball um, high with their long pimples. So the ball's going to come back with a lot of backspin. Even though it's high, because the ball has backspin on it, you can't just smash forward on it. If you do that, the ball's just going to dip straight down onto the table. So you need to still generate some topspin on that ball to lift it a bit. But you don't need to do this sort of topspin. If you lift it that way, you, you are going to lift it off the end of the table because the ball's up so high already. So it's more of a forward topspin action um, to get that stroke right. So not flat. Not a lifting topspin like that, but a forward topspin is the stroke that you need to play to um, to make that ball on the table. The other imp- really important thing is, like with all higher balls, is to make sure you move into position quickly. If you're if you're um, not in position, if you're square to the table and the ball's there with backspin, th- you're going to drag the ball into the net. So make sure you're moving into position, get yourself side on, so that you can really um, play a full proper topspin stroke at it but remember go forward on it because you don't need to lift it um, high because the ball's already high you just need to topspin it so it goes down on the table all right great advice there christian hopefully those tips help you out and, we do. Uh, yeah yep. so we do have a couple of premium ask the coach video responses on this topic that shows this to you really well so for our premium members in particular um, have a look on the ask the coach a video answers page and you'll find um, two uh, good responses there on there. Absolutely. And if you're not a premium member, take a look at the premium membership options. Uh, you get access to all our videos. Like Alice said, the Ask the Coach premium responses, but also the serving secrets, receiving secrets, training secrets, sports psychology, multiple, lots of great stuff. 52-week training plan. Check it out at pingskills.com. All right, next question is from Romeo, who says, how do I lift a push that is loaded with backspin? I had my bat horizontally and my arm moved as fast as it can go. I had a slightly pushing contact, but I still couldn't lift it. Is it, is, it is a really long and fast push and it made me lose an important match. So do you have any tips for Romeo? Yeah, so Romeo, so a couple. Of, it sounds like you're you're doing things pretty well, right? So you need to have a really vertical stroke. Um, you can even open your bat up a little bit more to lift that ball up, and you do need extra speed with it. So there isn't any backspin ball that you can't lift uh, with topspin, um, as long as the ball's long. So 
it's a matter of just opening the bat up a bit more, generating more speed and having the stroke really vertical. Um, we've got a good match um, uh, analysis video of a match between Brian Berry, who is the person that puts the most backspin on that I know, um, and Meow Meow. So if you take a look at that, you'll see how Meow um, deals with the heavy backspin of uh, of Brian Berry as well. Yeah. So it's interesting here because Romeo thinks he's uh, going as fast as he possibly can, but it's still going into the net. But maybe maybe he just needs to video himself and just watch it because sometimes you can get really tense when you're nervous against a backspin ball and maybe you're not moving your arm as freely as you think. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that relaxation is important because as soon as you tighten up, then that arm slows down. So relax it. Allow the wrist to relax as well to generate a little bit more speed there. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah. Romeo, yeah, maybe go back and have a look also at our backs, our forehand topspin against backspin video and just make sure you've got the basics right, you get in a good start position, finish position, and then you can, yeah, get the bat coming through nice and fast. It is a difficult stroke to learn. And, you know, I found it hard to get that brushing contact when I was first learning the stroke. But, yeah, get the basics right, keep working at it, and um, you will be able to start lifting those heavy backspin balls. All right. Now, Alois, Spam20 has just jumped on and pretty much asked the same question as before that you answered, how to deal with high, strong backspin balls. Yeah, definitely spam. Get it up there. Get that top spin happening, as we talked about before. Forward top spin is the key. Excellent. All right. Thank you, Spam20. All right, Alois, that wraps up show 248. Uh, for those of you who noticed, we had a new splash screen at the start. Thanks to uh, Twitter user Idiotic Senpei for um, developing that for us. And we've also got a new YouTube banner by him as well. So thank you very much. Hope everyone likes it. Thanks, everyone, for watching the show. Make sure you check out pingskills.com. And thank you, Alloys. Thanks, Jeff. And we shall see you tomorrow. Hope you had a good break over Easter. And now we're ready to get right back into it. See you tomorrow morning. Bye.